Hi, I'm Maria Theharis of Velosos. Welcome to Soul Organized Style Podcast. Stay listening. On Soul Organized Style Podcast, I begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast and pay respects to the elders past and present. Thanks for joining us on Soul Organized Style Podcast. This year, Making Zen is being run from the 15th to the 19th of May, and you can register at makingzen.com. This kettle of textiles evolution and the author of Stitch Meditation Process is here today so we can find out more about the Stitch Meditation Process and what workshop Liz Kettle is running at Making Zen this month. Liz, thank you for coming onto the podcast and giving us your time today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's exciting to be able to talk about my favorite subject. And that is? Anything to do with fabric and thread. Anything. (laughs) (laughs) I understand your joy. What is it about fabric and thread that makes it your favorite topic to talk about? I've always been super tactile. When I was a little kid, my mom hated taking me to the department store because she could never find me. Back then we had those round, well, I think they still have them now, the round racks of clothing and I would be on the inside just touching them all. So um, so I've always been super tactile in nature and there's so much about sewing that attracts me. I have sewn pretty much everything except for like sailcloth, like for a sailboat. I've just done all kinds of upholstery and garments and art and quilting. I've sewn just about everything. And Part of it's the construction part. Like it's so magical that you can take something flat and turn it into dimensional object. There's also something about fabric that it's the first thing we experience when we're born. And it's the last thing we experience when we die. It's with us through everything. And it's across all cultures. Like it's such a uniting experience, fabric. It's just fascinates me. The point that you've made that fabric unites us all is a good thought to keep in mind when people are working with fabric. Absolutely. And all the traditions and the history and interesting facts like indigo dyeing kind of sprang up all over the world at the same time, generally speaking, not within days of each other, but it's like this incredible connection to humanity that we don't even think about because it's so ubiquitous part of our daily life. We don't think about, we don't think about it being special but it's so, it's so important. Textiles is part of everybody's history in every country. So it does unite us. Absolutely. And not just women. You know, I think nowadays we tend to think of textiles more related to women, but all through history, it's been much more equal among the sexes, men and women, both working with textiles. And that doesn't include how textiles is used in industry for packing and for construction, even for medical reasons. Right. All right. Now let's get back to you. What is it that's your specialty? So like I said, I've pretty much sewn everything you could ever sell. So except for a sale. Right now, I am really focused on two things, mixed media art with a textile focus. I am exploring a lot of printmaking techniques on textiles and then my stitch meditation practice. So those are kind of what I'm doing right now. What drove you to developing the stitch meditation process? So that came out of an actual need that I had, a personal need. I was very ill for 
a decade. And the doctor's like, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. <laughs> then I finally found a doctor who's like, oh yeah, you have this really rare autoimmune thing and it's new. We don't have a cure for it. And just reduce all the stress in your life and that will help. And I left his office thinking, there's not even a support group for this thing. <laughs> and um, he said, reduce all the stress. I had three teenage boys, two of which I was homeschooling. And I thought, how do you reduce stress when you have this crazy busy life and sports and kids activities and everything going on? And I tried meditation. That's what he said. Try some meditation. And I was like, okay, but it didn't work for me. I was a complete and utter failure at meditation. The whole concept of meditation was foreign to me. And then I read this one book. It just noted that meditation, as we think of it normally, especially back in the mid 2000s, was that we think of it as this, like sit in this quiet lotus position and just empty your mind of all thoughts. That's generally what we think of as meditation. But this book pointed out that that is such an Eastern male construct that it has nothing to do with the Western woman's life. And I was like, oh, and she kind of pointed out in this book that you could do whatever worked for you. And so I kind of had this light bulb moment. The light bulb was really literally on my head. I was like, oh my gosh, I started off hand stitching as an embroiderer and I had just finished writing a book about that was mostly machine stitching. And I was kind of burnt out on machine stitching because when you write a book, you have to do iteration after iteration of the exact same thing for a step out pictures. And so I was like, I'm going back to hand stitching. I kind of realized at that time, I was like, oh, this is so relaxing. In that light bulb moment, everything kind of came together. It's like I could create a meditation practice that used what I loved and created something that would work for me. So it's kind of like at the time people would have referred to it as a moving meditation. Now there's more information out there and it would be considered an active meditation practice. And what's really amazing is that both meditation, no matter which type you do, and creativity, both are access points into what's in your right hemisphere, your right brain. And that is part of what helps you be more whole and more relaxed and more in the present moment. So I kind of created something that was for me, but turned out to be helpful for a lot more people. And do you help other people learn that technique through your classes and your retreats? Yes. Yes. Tell me how you became a teacher. So that's kind of a funny story. So I was working with a friend and I wanted to work in the creative sewing industry somewhere. And I just didn't know where. And I had a friend who had kind of had a conversation with the owner of Wonderful Specialty Threads. And he was looking for someone to write like a little guidebook, an inspiration book for how to use his threads. Because at that time, he had all these specialty threads and nobody was using them. They didn't know how to use them. So she's like, oh, we can do that. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. guess I better learn how to use all these specialty threads. So we wrote this book and it, it turned out really great. And we had lots of great ideas in there. And then he had us come to International Quilt Market and, you know, talk to people. And, and he kind of went, oh, they know what they're talking about now about this thread. They know how to sell it. And one of the stores that was local to me at the time purchased a big part of his line and they said, well, we would really want you to come teach. And I was like, uh, okay. 
I haven't really thought about that. I've been teaching my kids at home, but that's a whole different ballgame. So in order to help him sell the thread, I became a teacher. And then I found I loved it. That's a great ending to such a cute story. Yes, funny. So with stitch meditation, what do you focus on? Is there a lot of stitches to learn? No, actually, it's the opposite. Stitch meditation is truly a meditation practice. And that's where it differs from like slow stitch or just intuitive stitching is that its intention is meditation. So I primarily use the straight stitch, running stitch. That's the go-to. Anybody can get into this practice really easily because you don't need a lot of expensive materials. You don't need anything fancy. You need some fabric, a needle and thread and know how to do the running stitch, which I found pretty much everybody knows how to do the running stitch. And I have YouTube video that shows you how to do it. You're enabling a lot of people that way. I, I'm trying to trying yeah. to get them all hooked into working with fabric. It's so, so luscious. If we can talk about the fabric and the thread, is there anything in particular that people should be using for this meditation process? You know, over the years, I've honed my practice to where you need a base fabric to start with. And I use flannel, cotton flannel, which um, I think in the UK, they call flannelette, what you make baby blankets out of or flannel sheets. And I cut them into four inch squares. You can use other things like denim. It just needs to be something that's really easy to stitch through because the practice is about relaxation and ease, not struggling to stitch through something. So I have a base fabric and then I use scraps of fabric. I currently and have mostly always used hand dyed fabrics because personally, the commercial print fabrics have too loud of a voice. Like they have a, a presence that I didn't really want at the beginning of my practice, especially when I was trying to be calm and relaxed. But I have lots of students who use nothing but commercial prints and they don't have any problems with it. That was like a, a me thing. Not, yeah. It's not a rule. Yeah. And I always suggest to people to look in their closet for their old table linens. You know, those giant tablecloths, damask tablecloths that we got from grandma that have some stains on them. Paint them or dye them and cut them up and use those. Use old scarves. You can go to the secondhand store and get fabrics that are really skirts. Um, scarves, t-shirts, tops, and use those. You can use any fabric, really. It just needs to be a little easy to stitch through, nothing really tightly woven. Sounds like sustainability is a big part of what it is you're getting people to understand and learn through stitch meditation. Yes, yes. We've gotten into everything needs to be coordinated and brand new, and, and it doesn't. And sometimes it's so much better when it's older stuff and things that are cut at weird angles. I love when I get some garment scraps from somebody because they have all these strange angles cut on them. And it's like, I, I just cut them down to four inches on one dimension and use them the way they are. It's, it's very fun. And what do you do with them once you've done the stitching? Tell me about it. That is the like number one question I always get. What do you do with these things? You can use them, but it's really important that they don't start off with an end use in mind. It's about following this journey of letting the stitch and the moment guide you in your stitching. But after it's done, you can turn it into something. I mount mine and sell them as artwork. Not all of them are art, but some of them are really beautiful. I actually have a giant laundry basket full of them because I've been doing it for nine years plus. One day I'd love to have an installation with just tons of them just hanging on the wall. But 
I'll use them to make cards and little gifts for people. They're not really suitable for a quilt that would be used on the bed, but you could definitely use them for a wall hanging. You can use them in any art. So once they're made, they can become anything. You know, the whole point of stitch meditation is the process, not the end use of the fabric and the thread. Okay. And that's really hard for a lot of people because we've been culturally taught that everything has to have a purpose and a utility that is not true. And that inhibits us so much in our creative output. Our creative journey is because we're limiting it to, it has to be useful. Mm. And we grow so much more when we start with no end in mind and just follow the process. It's such a subtle thing. And it's just so hard for people to get over that cultural conditioning of everything has to be useful. But I suppose the whole point is, With stitch meditation, it's to calm you. It's to calm you. It's to help you relax, reduce your blood pressure. I mean, there's so many physical and mental reasons to meditate. There's like a whole long list, but it's really just about taking time to be. A good friend told me once, remember, we are not human doings. We are human beings. And we've gotten so far away from being in all of our doings all the time. Where can people find you, Liz? I'm most active socially on Instagram. I am on Facebook and I have a a big Stitch Meditation Facebook group as well as a Fabric Collage Facebook group. You can just look under Liz Kettle and it should pop up. And then I have my own website, which is Textile Evolution. That's probably the easiest ways to find me. And we'll also be able to find you at the Making Zen Online Retreat. Yes, yes. I'm really excited. It'll be my second year doing Making Zen. What are you doing this time? Last year, I did studio prayer flags. So like a special prayer flag to come in and to help you center when you get into your studio, kind of put all your thoughts about the rest of the world and all the to-do list aside. And this year, I am going to teach how to paint on fabric instead of dyeing. So it's a technique that I've developed where you can use paint to color your fabrics without getting into the mess and science of dyeing. Does that make it a whole lot more economical to paint the fabric rather than dye it? No, it's not really more economical. It's just a little bit less messy, especially for people who are working in a small space. Oh, good. That's good to know. And it's quicker. So, you know, dyeing is like this big process. You want to get ready and do dyeing for like two days in a row. If you really need some of this particular pink fabric, you can just go paint it and then it'll be ready to use in a few hours. That's something to really look forward to. Yeah, kind of instant gratification. And meditation later on. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any last words for people who are thinking about taking up stitch meditation and coming to the Making Zen Online Retreat? First of all, for the retreat, just sign up, do it. If you can at all possibly do it, pay for the full year access because it is so incredibly valuable. There are so many amazing teachers in this retreat and it's really hard to get all the information. Like it's like drinking from a fire hose to get it all during that week. And they've made it really, really affordable. So sign up right away. And for starting stitch meditation practice, one of the things you might do is I have a video on my YouTube channel and on my website that kind of walks you through the practice. And I have a group on Facebook where you can see more and learn more. And I post them every day on Instagram. And you are always welcome to email me and ask me questions about them. Thanks so much, Liz, for letting us know where to find you, what to look forward to. 
and how much fun it's going to be going to be making Zen Online Retreat with you. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Thank you. This episode of Soul Organised Soul Podcast was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Kate for the Making Zen Online Retreat, sound by bensound.com. Making Zen Online Retreat is coming up on the 15th to the 19th of May, and you can register on the website at makingzen.com. You can subscribe to Soul Organised Style Podcast, but with an S, not a Z, on all good podcast apps. Make sure you go back and listen to the previous Making Zen Textile Artist Podcast so that you can get a feel for the depth of textile art workshops that the Making Zen Online Retreat provides the sewing community. I hope you can help us with the production of this podcast through our Patreon account. We look forward to seeing you at Making Zen in May. Stay safe, everyone.